Hola and welcome to Catholic View on this Friday evening. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up in today's broadcast of Catholic View, we'll be taking a look at the upcoming World Hunger Day, which is observed on the 28th of May. And we also take a look at the South Africa Bike Festival taking place this weekend in Kailami. But first, as usual, I'd like us to start by taking a look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. So do stay tuned. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. In your headlines this Friday evening, Lesotho gears up for early elections. Vatican calls for a change of mentality and lifestyle to reduce disaster risk. And Pope Francis' upcoming visit to Genoa. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. The Southern African Development Community, SADC, has cautioned Lesotho's government for claims by Prime Minister Pakalita Musisili. The Prime Minister quoted the annoyance of the 15-member economic bloc after he accused it of interrupting the sovereignty of the Mountain Kingdom ahead of the general elections next month. Prime Minister Mosisili wrote to SADC chairperson King Muswati III of Swaziland complaining against the decisions of an extraordinary summit of heads of state and government which was held on the 18th of March 2017 in Bambani. His letter says that Lesotho, as a sovereign state, allowed democracy to prevail and flourish with the passing of a parliamentary non-confidence vote engineered by four opposition groups on his seven-party coalition government on 1st March this year. Prime Minister Musisili says he is against the summit communique giving the regional facilitator to Lesotho, Cyril Ramaphosa, and the oversight committee powers to monitor the political as well as security situation in his country during the polls. However, SADC has ordered the authorities in Maseru to cooperate with the structures that the 15-nation group has set up to help bring about lasting political stability in the kingdom of Lesotho. Father Chale Mukamedi is the Secretary General of the Lesotho Catholic Bishops' Conference. Like any other event, um, here and there the, 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 the tension is, is, is getting up and then um, at times. So, but um, so far the process of preparing the elections, despite other um, commentaries or any other thing or how the Prime Minister said, uh, the process of preparing for elections, is going on um, smoothly. There is no hindrance of anything of that sort. The process is going well as planned by the Independent Electoral um, Commission. We have um, the Department of uh, Justice and Peace, and then uh, that department is engaged in uh, voters' education. We have deployed uh, over, I think, over 40, 40 people all across the country to to give education on, um, on on upcoming elections. Then, on the 3rd of June, 
will also be engaged in observing elections across the country. SABC, which is part of the Indiza region, we have invited uh, Indiza region, which is a bomb across the countries in Indiza region, that uh, when any other country is holding general elections, there is that observer um, uh, nation that is sent by them, by the Indiza. So we have uh, invited Indiza, which SACBC will be part of them, of, of, the, of the delegation. Then their role is just like LCBCs to, to observe the elections during that day, maybe even after or even before they should um, observe the, the, the election, that they give their report whether the elections were free and fair and credible. And I urge all the people in the country, even outside, uh, should come and uh, elect the government that they would like to lead Basutu for the next for the next five coming years. Back home, in an aim to keep the girl child in school during their menstrual cycle, the Department of Education in KwaZulu-Natal has invested over 60 million rands to buy and distribute sanitary towels to female pupils. Over 950,000 girls in the province benefit from the Free Pads program. To mark Global Menstrual Hygiene Day, celebrated on the 28th of May, the department visited a school in Peter Marisburg to distribute sanitary towels. Education Department MEC Ntandene Dlungwane says since they started this initiative last year, they have noticed a significant drop of absenteeism amongst female learners. This is very a very important uh, program for us as the province of Wazul Natal. You would recall that uh, we started this program uh, uh, late last year uh, because when we were leading young people in the province of Wazul Natal, this is one very important program that we had, you know, spoken about, that we had driven. Now when uh, this ANC government gave us the opportunity to lead, you know, this department, we saw an opportunity that we must then fulfill the promise and the wish that we had always had in ensuring that we protect our young girls. Last year we invested uh, 20 million rent to the program and it was benefiting uh, about uh, 580,000 learners. This year we've then invested more, added 40 million rent which totals to 60 million rent in a year uh, and currently is benefiting about uh, 950,000 learners. But we have not been able to cover the rest of our learners that qualifies. Yeah. You know, but we believe it's going a, a, a very a, a long way to ensure that we assist our young girls. In other news, some 6,000 participants are attending the Global Platform for Disaster Risk Reduction, a biannual gathering on reducing disaster risk and building the resilience of communities and nations, taking place in Cancun, Mexico. The global strategy adopted in 2015 is designed to reduce the number of people who die or are affected by disasters, both natural and man-made. Speaking to participants, Deputy UN Chief Amina Mohammed said fewer people are dying from natural disasters and hazards, but the economic losses are escalating. Jocelyn Sambira reports from UN News. United Nations Deputy Secretary General Amina Mohammed began her address on Thursday. 
by giving special recognition to Kiribati, the Central Pacific Island nation living on the edge and the front line of the reality of climate change. She also praised Mexico for being a true leader in disaster risk reduction, citing its advances in seismic warnings and its management of extreme weather events. Two years ago, Hurricane Patricia hit Mexico's Pacific coastline, but the country's prompt actions reduced losses. Here's Amina Mohammed. Many countries, the likelihood of mega disasters has greatly diminished thanks to stronger institutions, robust legislation, and policy frameworks, better preparedness, improving early warning systems, and a greater understanding of disaster risk, increased engagement with civil society, and much more accountability. A lot remains to be done in terms of reducing disaster risks, particularly in low- and middle-income countries. Disasters are costing the global economy $520 billion and pushing 26 million people into poverty, she warned. Meanwhile, the Vatican Secretary of State has assured participants at the Global Platform for Disaster Risk Reduction that the Holy See stands ever ready to make its own specific contribution as the Forum works to meet the urgent challenges before them. In a letter addressed to the President of Mexico, who is overseeing the global platform taking place this year in Cancun, Cardinal Pietro Parolin said that in the name of His Holiness Pope Francis, he expresses the hope that the work of the global platform will prove useful, fruitful and effective for enabling resilience to go hand in hand with the development of a genuine, responsible and fraternal cooperation grounded in the common good. It's been one year since the first UN resolution promised to protect hospitals and medical workers from attacks. Human rights agencies have documented a staggering amount of attacks on medics in the past year, and they are calling on the Security Council to turn words into action. Vatican Radio's Liling Tan reports. In April 2016, a clinic in Aleppo, Syria, was bombed just two days after another airstrike at a nearby hospital killed one of the last pediatricians in the area. On the back of international outrage, the UN Security Council adopted the first ever resolution to strengthen protections for medical workers in war zones. But a year on, even UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres admitted that little has changed on the ground. Attacks against medical workers and medical facilities continue and no one is spared. According to the World Health Organization, attacks on medical care, including hospitals, doctors, ambulances, and on the wounded and the sick, took place in at least 20 countries affected by conflict in 2016. The UN chief said that within months of the resolution, a hospital in Yemen was bombed, and the number of such attacks in Afghanistan in 2016 had doubled from the year before. In most of these places, fragile medical systems were already at the breaking point, as staff struggled to treat huge numbers of people, and in most cases, no one was held accountable. Medical and human rights groups say the problem is that it's hard to collect and verify data, and many of these attacks go uninvestigated and therefore unprosecuted. The Safeguarding Health in Conflict Coalition reported that health workers and facilities were attacked with impunity in 23 countries in 2016, 
with little action from the UN Security Council and member states. In Syria, physicians for human rights managed to verify over 450 attacks on more than 300 facilities since the war began in 2011. More than 800 health professionals were killed. Susanna Serkin, director of international policy at the New York-based NGO. Says when large hospitals are destroyed, it has an extensive trickle-down effect. Any time one of those facilities is taken completely out of commission by a bomb,、uh, or by the killing of its health、um, staff,、um, that many people are denied access to fundamental health care, to the delivery of babies, to prenatal care, to vaccination programs, to emergency surgery, to the treatment in the case of wars of the sick and the wounded. Uh, and it's a devastating situation. Last year, Physicians for Human Rights documented 108 health facilities in Syria that were hit, and 91 medical workers died. These are, are war crimes. These are violations of the responsibility of governments and warring factions to protect health facilities, health professionals, and to assure that the sick and the wounded are not denied access to care. Medical NGOs and rights groups say more robust and standardized data collection methods are needed, as well as thorough investigations and a commitment to prosecute those responsible. The Italian Coast Guard says some 2,300 people have been rescued and two bodies were recovered in the latest migrant rescues in the Central Mediterranean. Vatican Radio's Nathan Molly has more. A statement from the Italian Coast Guard said migrants were plucked from 14 dinghies and four wooden boats by three vessels. A rescue ship was also there, which was run by Doctors Without Borders, and a passing cargo ship also helped. A day earlier, the Coast Guard had reported the rescue of around 1,800 people and the recovery of 34 bodies following the capsizing of a migrant boat, which threw about 200 people into the sea. The route between Italy and Libya is the world's most dangerous for sea migrants. On Tuesday, the International Organization for Migration said that 1,252 people died or went missing there since January the first this year. News of the rescues came as humanitarian groups said that the Libyan Coast Guard is threatening and endangering the lives of migrants in need of help. During a chaotic rescue operation in international waters off Libya's coast Tuesday, Coast Guard vessels fired gunshots into the air and boarded a boat filled with migrants trying to leave the country's shores. That caused panic, and many of them jumped off the boat. A spokesman for the Libyan Coast Guard denied that its boats had targeted migrants and that the troops only shot and killed three smugglers. And finally, Pope Francis is to travel tomorrow to the northern Italian city of Genoa for a one-day apostolic visit. One of the highlights of the day will be his meeting with sick children and their families in the Giannina Gaslini Pediatric Hospital. The Pope, however, has already found a way to warm their hearts with a surprise gesture, as Vatican Radio's Linda Bodoni reports. Awaiting Pope Francis's visit, many of the little patients have been busy preparing small gifts and messages. But meanwhile, the Pope himself decided to surprise them ahead of time with a personal greeting. Cari bambini, vi saluto tutti.
linking up live via telephone to a parish radio in Genoa that broadcasts a Wednesday weekly program especially dedicated to the children's hospital. The Pope told the little patients that it is with joy that he is preparing to be with them. The Pope said he is coming to be close to them, to listen to them, and to bring the caress of Jesus. He is always close to us, he said, especially when we are in difficulty and in need. He always gives us trust and hope. Pope Francis concluded his call with assurances that he is praying for the sick children and their families. And as he always does, he asked them to pray for him. Established in 1931, the Istituto Giannina Gaslini is a tertiary-level pediatric hospital affiliated with the University of Genoa. It is considered one of the foremost children's hospitals in Europe and in the world and is formally recognized as a scientific institute for research, hospitalization and health care. And that was a look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. Thank you very much for being here with me this Friday evening. It is Catholic View coming to you on Radio Veritas 576 AM, otherwise on 870 DSTV Audio If you have access to the internet, you can also listen to us online. Simply log on to our website, radioveritas.co.ca. I'm Shayla Pirsch. Coming up next is our feature program. Good nutrition and adequate and well-balanced diet is a cornerstone of good health. Better nutrition is related to improved infant, child and maternal health, stronger immune systems and safer pregnancy and childbirth. People with adequate nutrition are more productive and can create opportunities to break the cycles of poverty and hunger. Experts agree that tackling malnutrition is not only the right thing to do, but it also makes economic sense. World Hunger Day is an initiative by the Hunger Project, started in 2011. It aims to celebrate sustainable solutions to hunger and poverty. Operation Hunger, an NGO based in Joburg, has recently taken ownership of World Hunger Day. And to celebrate this, they will host a first of three World Hunger Day fairs in 2018. And as a build-up to this, they would like to make the public aware of World Hunger Day observed annually on May 28th. I spoke to one of Operation Hunger founding member, John Perlman. We as Operation Hunger are new incumbents in terms of activists when it comes to World Hunger Day. We, we have actually chosen World Hunger Day as an event that will become our flagship event per year because there's a lot of synergies with what Operation Hunger does and what World Hunger Day means to the world. And so we've basically just started a few weeks ago to do preparations, not for World Hunger Day 2017, but for the following year, 2018, because there's lots of activities we'd like to arrange for this auspicious day. For, for, for the short term, we'll be doing a blanket drive on, on Mandela Day, which is July the 18th, 
and of course doing a pre-pledge uh, awareness with corporates that we'd like to participate on this day when we actually launch it properly next year, uh, 2018. We have uh, a mandate of feeding uh, the needy, the poverty, communities that are obviously not well off, that can't look after themselves properly. We feed them and we give them um, uh, clothing. We look after a lot of um, things that impact on their welfare on a day-to-day basis as Operation Hunger South Africa. We've been doing this for the past 35 years. And of course, we'd like to upscale our activity with them as time goes. But for now, World Hunger Day to us means uh, reaching out to your communities in South Africa for starters. Later on, we'll see if we can actually extend our reach to Africa as in Sadek and other regions in Africa. And I guess that this is where World Hunger Day fairs begins then. Yes, uh, I- indeed. We, we would like to make uh, a big deal out of this day because a such, uh, an event such as this, which we would like to identify as a flagship event, we would like to do one of the major programs that we would like to associate World Hunger Day in SA will be a radio phone to create so much awareness to raise as much funding as we can so that we can reach out to a lot of other poverty-stricken communities throughout South Africa. We've got a national footprint in terms of reach in South Africa. And of course, we don't have resources to reach and, and, uh, and, and service every community that there is. So if we can up the stakes in terms of putting together resources with the aid of corporates that will want to work with us, we'll be only too happy to reach out to even communities that we've never reached before. The the organization started on a very uh, good footing when it was started 35 years ago uh, by Dr. Selma Brody, Dr. Ntato Motlana, who has passed on. Dr. Selma Brody is still alive. She's still active on a low scale, though she cannot do what she did 35 years ago. And there's a lady called Ina Perlman who later on joined Dr. Ntato Motlan and Dr. Selma Brody to give the face to world, sorry, to give the face to Operation Hunger. Because at some stage she, she, became, the, she, began, she became the face of, of uh, Operation Hunger in South Africa because of the activities that were engaged, corporates that were behind her and all the programs that Dr. Selma Brody and Dr. Ntato Motlan helped to put together. So how can people help? Who can they contact? We've got a website that, that goes www.operationhunger.org. And in it, there's, 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 there's a, a link of pledging where people can basically pledge, which will go straight to the bank. After it will take bank details, and then they can actually pledge on a month-to-month basis the amount that they think they can afford. And they can also contact us at 000 um, Nine nine zero two four thousand, and we will take their phone calls and see what is it that they would like to, to 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 help us with, and we'll take it from there. Well, John, thank you so much for giving more clarity to World Hunger Day, uh, May twenty eighth. Thanks very much for giving us a bit of time on, on on air on radio to give a bit of clarity and a bit of you know insight as to what Operation Hunger will be doing on that day. And we'd like to keep you posted because once you we become uh, how can I put it, partners as it were, or media sponsors as it were, with yourself, we can only grow stronger.
The SA Bike Festival is taking place at Kailami from the 26th to 28th May. Now, to find out more about this event, I spoke to SA Bike Festival brand ambassador and SA Bike Queen, Ms. Sipi Mashuhani. And then I also spoke to Kelly Fanning, the organizer of South Africa Bike Festival. We've got what is called the Super Champion Trophy Racing, which is a 1,000cc uh, series. So basically what that means is that you'll be having um, Tissot, which is the, is the, time, it's, uh, the, the timing sponsor of this, um, running a pure race. Um, and that is, will be on, on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, that starts at 2 p.m. And then you've got Monster, who has come on uh, phenomenally with what they call the Flight Night. Now, this is a stunt show um, where it's, or every day it starts at 6 p.m. But when I say stunt show, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about guys just standing on bikes and wheeling bikes. No, I'm talking about guys that literally are defying gravity. They literally are, you, you, you just... It makes no sense, the things that they do. It, it, it's epic to watch. And um, then you have, you know, the, 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 the pilots themselves who will be playing around and doing all sorts of amazing things for us, um, the three pilots that will be there that will do all sorts of things for us in the evening. But not only that, then you've got Rocco Mamas who has come on board, and what they are doing is that they've taken for the, for the more matured crowd um, the custom uh, motorcycle side of things where they're running a competition. And, you know, as, as one of, if, if you are there as a, as a fan, uh, as an attendee, you can actually vote. You can go and, and view these bikes and actually see how much work people put into this, into chroming their bikes and just customizing their bikes and, and be part of the actual voting of this. Um, and then there's the second test drive, which I've spoken about. Get yourself to get to be on that beautiful Kailami racetrack um, newly reno- renovated one um, uh, on any 2017 model bike um, that you or of your choice um, that costs about 60 rand and you've got two laps around the circuit. Um, not only that, then if you're an adventure junkie, um, you know same thing applies. You've got a two-kilometer uh, 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 course that is at the back of Kailami that you can literally buy as well. 60 rand. You need to just come through and experience any off-road bike and just have fun and um you know all you need to bring if you are that one of those that are wanting to experience this it's a helmet it's a jacket and your license a full license and you know come through and have fun um and then on sunday we have a charity run as you would know bikers generally um everywhere in the world the idea is that charity is the first thing that we do so there's a huge charity ride that will be starting off at seven o'clock and um, that charity ride starts at World Wear um, Shopping Center in Fairlands. Um, you can bring a pillion if you like. And that also allows you uh, to lap around the, the circuit itself of Kailami. And, um, you know, this is for, the, for a great cause. They've picked, um, you know, um, the, 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 the Paws Charity, uh, which is the ride is called Ride for, ride for a Clone. You know, because as well, again, when I go back to the question that you asked me about abuse, it starts even with the animals that we have. You know, love is love regardless. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So we, we, we try to, to, to give that message. And um, tickets are going for 200 grand um, uh, on SouthAfricaBikeFestival.com. Um, and that is advanced um, with your 20 grand advance um, ticket for parking. Um, if you can't do that, you can actually get your tickets at the door at 230 and your parking ticket at 30 rand. Or you can actually just go into 
any of my handles. I mean, you can go into my Instagram, you can go into my Facebook, find me in whatever way, Bike Queen, and find my promo code. When you find my promo code, when you're doing that booking, you then are guaranteed a 25% off. So we are really trying to have everybody come through. Last year alone, this event pulled 24,500 people. That was its first year. And with, you know, with, pop, with everybody asking for it to come back, which it, it happened um, by popular demand. What is happening is that we have, I'm literally saying that we're anticipating about 30,000 people to be there. So this is, it's, it's going to very, really, really be an epic event. And I think that, you know, allow yourself and the children. I mean, when we talk about children, there's a skate park, there's, there's all sorts. Your children can be on little miniature bikes. There's just, there's lots to see. There's 110 stalls that are out there for you to walk around and, 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 and view. And, you know, so it is one of those. It's a family fun event um, with, uh, with lots to, to see. And, yeah, it's worth, it's worth the visit. Kelly, the big day is finally here, or rather, should I say, the big weekend has just arrived. We've just been talking to CP, and uh, I tell you, she really, really got me hooked onto this festival. After listening to her, I definitely want to go out there and get my tickets and attend the festival. So talk to us about this festival. What makes it so exciting? Okay, besides the fact that we're talking about bikers, what else makes it exciting? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much for everyone to do. You know, we're in the middle of Joburg. It's really easy to come to. It's at the most amazing racetrack that we have in the whole of Africa. And it's three days of so much fun. The weather's going to be amazing. It's nice and warm. Everyone must bring their families and come and see this really passionate industry. There's so many bikers in this country. They all want to come and show off and see what's new. We can't wait to have everyone here. And, uh, yeah, book now online. I mean, tickets are running away. So every day is repeated. So you can choose what day you want to come, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Um, you can book a test ride around the circuit, or you can book a ride around a dirt track on a bike. You do need a license for that, though, but um, there's plenty of other things that you don't ride. You can learn how to ride in a different area. Um, you can also learn how to pass your license in a different area. Um, if you want to buy a second-hand bike, you can do that. If you want to ride, uh, if you want to buy a brand new bike, you can buy one of those too. Um, but lots of kids' activities, tons of food trucks, live music—it's going to be amazing. Is biking a big thing in South Africa? Yes, but we want it to be even bigger. So we want everyone to come and see what it's like to be a biker and what it takes. You know, at the end of the day, it's quicker in the traffic, it's uh, environmentally friendly, um, and it's economical. So why not try it out? You know, there's everything from scooters to the big bikes. So there's something for everyone. And then, of course, you're having people coming from overseas as well to showcase their talents. Uh, yes, we do. So we've got a custom builder who's going to judge all of the local um, custom-made bikes. He's coming all the way from Germany. His name's Frank. And then we've got Jimmy from the USA, who's an FMX rider. He's going to be jumping on the, street, on the circuit every night. Um, there's a, a Monster Energy Flight Night, which is an FMX show, which everyone should come down and see. We want to build lots more biker queens as well. So all the ladies must come down and check it out. Of course, of course. I think you should say all the moms, seeing that we're still in Moms Month. (laughs) There we go. Definitely moms and kids. Well, that brings me up to time. This has been your Friday's edition of Catholic Viewer Program, produced and presented by Shayla Pirsch for Radio Veritas. I'll be back again on Tuesday evening at the same time. Until then, do have a blessed weekend. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Shayla Pirsch.